The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 660, recorded on August 17th, 660th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 493rd episode of Video Game Roundtable. I'm TJ Dinser. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Oh, you know, we're almost getting to episode 666. I have to do something special with that. Maybe we'll talk about Diablo or something. Why do I not see TJ on the call? Well, I hear him. Can you I hear, hear him? But yeah. I don't see the picture. Oh. It only shows one picture. It's showing me and you, but uh, Jonah, but it's not showing TJ. I only I see know. you, so. Thing is weird. Anyways, huh. we're going to talk about what we've been playing. I'll start first. Uh, first games first. Um, I've been playing a lot of, in the past week, uh, Two Point Campus, and I'm liking it a lot more than Two Point Hospital because Two Point Campus is a little bit over, more open ended. I mean, Two Point Campus is kind of puzzly, you know, sort of like. You're, you're solving a puzzle, while well, two-point campus as a much more – you still have to solve problems, but it doesn't seem as strict as campuses. Now, you've been playing uh, uh, campus as well, haven't you? Yeah. I, uh, I really like the game. The it's I really like the college premise to it, and I really like how far they go with it. Uh, you know, it's funny. is the, the prison and architect people have done their own campus thing too, their own school game. Based on yeah. Prison Architect. Yeah, but this is a but this is a really fun game. I like uh, moving from like the low level, really small campus up to like prestigious stuff, and then you have the classes that expand along the way. I really like the uh, you basically by the third level get into Clown College. I haven't done uh, Clown College. I actually, <laughs> I didn't do Clown College. Oh, <laughs> that's the other but, thing. Uh, it, it allows you to go around stuff. Um, I've actually, here's the thing. I've been taking my time on the game. So the first, I've been always going to three stars on each campus before moving on. So I've been taking it slow. Hmm, yeah. You can definitely take your time with it too. Like, uh, it, it want, it wanted me to like move on to the next place, but I actually just went back to one of the previous ones and just kept building, which I kind of like that freeform level to it where you can, either move on and keep growing or you can just stay at the place that you've got and round out the challenges and continue to expand the campus. It's really yeah. fun how much that game lets you just like go at your own pace. I've, I didn't do clowns. I got the Knights, the uh, medieval Knights uh, college. And what's funny is that that introduces a new mechanic in which you have students from another night college coming in and trying to trash the place. And when you do tournaments, you actually have to fight them, not not you know, because with the cooking college, it's like oh you're doing the um, uh, you're doing the cooking uh, the cooking uh, contest, but you're not really fighting anybody, you know it's yeah. just. But in in the uh, night college, you're actually having a tournament against other knights from a different college, and um, you know your your janitors have squirt guns, so they just squirt the uh, the enemy knights, you know. <laughs> It's, it has the same humor as any of the theme hospital or, or two point hospital games. But like I said, you know, and the thing is that um, you have the option of mixing and matching. Once you go to another, you can either improve the one, the one, uh, uh, what do they call it again? The one curriculum uh, that you have, or you can add new curriculums. Like if you're in the right college, you can say, oh, you know what? I'm going to include cl- clown courses too. Because I did get the option to add clown stuff, right? But I haven't yet. So you can have a college full of knights and clowns. And one of the things that I've started to, you know, you also have the cliques, you know, the clubs, you know, you have the uh, people who love to sleep and the people who love to jog and the book club and all that stuff. And it's sort of like creating these little uh, campus clubs around. The one thing I don't like is that um, with a game like Theme Park, you know, if you had a janitor, you could – restrict the janitor to one place of the uh, park, you know, so that you, you do everything in this little area so that I, we always know where you are. You can't really instruct anybody to do anything in, in, um, 
in in uh, Two Point Campus. So uh, and you know it's a pain to pick up people and move them around to get them to do what you want them to do, or else the litter starts piling up because your janitors aren't paying attention to the litter. That's the one little annoying thing. Two Point Campus taught me that there are never enough janitors, no matter how many you hire. There are yeah. never enough. <laughs> The game is also – here's the thing. You might start running out of money you know, during the first year, but at some point it's sort of like you're just drowning in money. It just sends you money every month, money, 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 and it's like I never felt like I was going to go out of business, right? I always had some money waiting for me because at some point I, uh, you start getting uh, like $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 a month. I got to a, a place in I think the second campus where I uh, – where I really actually like stretched myself to the limit and had to uh, and, and like ran out of cash and had to wait for like a new semester to start. Yeah. Um, I don't know how. Well, actually, I do know how. I put like hire too many people. That's usually the biggest biggest problem because that's where that's where all most of the costs come from. I think for mine it was I made too many dormitories and the upkeep on them was uh was expensive. Oh. Yeah, uh, the thing is that, you know, you really don't need to make dormitories until the game tells you to. Like, you need this mm. many students to go to the next star. Like, the night campus is really, really difficult because now one of the things they want you to have is beautification. So you, ha it's telling you, yeah, we want you to put a lot of plants and trees and benches and everything all around there. They want the campus beautiful. The other ones can be, you know, sort of, eh, you don't have to worry about it as much, but... No, the Knight College wants you to have a beautiful campus. I know there's a Harry Potter campus at some point. Um, yeah. I haven't gotten it to it yet. <laughs> Go ahead, TJ. Um, but yeah, like the uh, the sheer amount of stuff that you can do in the game, I love I love how much there is to explore. And if you beat the entire thing, then you just unlock a sandbox mode and you can just go wild. Um, the other thing is that. At first, uh, the special, the special, uh, oh damn it, I forgot what they call it. The special currency at first seemed, you know, kind of rare, but then at some point, you know, you go and you see your achievements. Oh, I can get this and this and this. Just claim those achievements for what you did, and then those start rolling in, you know. And if you're judicious about it, you can um, get the good stuff without everywhere. Like, because um, the mo most expensive stuff costs like two fifty k's. Yeah. It's, it gets pretty pricey. But, like I said, you know, if at the end of the year, you'll start swimming in that, too, if if you're careful about it. Mm -hmm. And you watch what you actually buy. Um, so, yeah. Uh, one of the funny things is that you have to – you want uh, the game also says you want people to have relationships. You want them to fall in love and stuff like that. It's And you have to build all these heart-shaped stuff, heart-shaped benches, a heart-shaped bed, heart-shaped tree. <laughs> yeah. It's an all-around fun game. Like, there's there's no pushing to beat it, but, like, there's a good reward at the end. I really I, – I For those of you to play – here's the thing about it. Um, just so you know, the game is slow. Even if you put it on, on fast speed, which I never do. I never find myself clicking on fast speed because I just like looking at what people are doing. The game is a very slow burn. So don't expect, don't expect something like Theme Hospital, which things happen like that. You have to, you have to be patient with it. You have to let it – do what it wants and just supplement yeah. it when you can. Yeah. Um, but I like how it expands upon itself little by little. I like how it uh, has a nice reward waiting in the end. I actually enjoy that it like makes you earn sandbox mode instead of just giving it to you right out of the gate. Because uh, by the time that you get to sandbox mode, you'll know everything that you need to know to play it. And the funny thing is that, you know, the scenarios are all sandbox modes anyway, really. Once you get the three stars, you you earn those campus points and you can start getting any courses that you want. I mean, hey, you know, you have the robot course. Well, guess what? You can also add the clowns with them and the uh, and and all the other courses. So it is it's already a sandbox. And I know what you mean by a sandbox mode in which you just get this one huge space and you can just do whatever. But basically, the entire game is a sandbox mode to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, I've also been playing Spider-Man Remastered on PC, and I will say it's a little bit kinky. To play that game and have the Xbox controller uh, icons. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I've noticed that a lot of Steam games, uh, the the Xbox buttons are showing even if I'm playing with a PlayStation controller. Really? Yep. Yeah, wow. you have to t you have to set it 
to you have to oh. I think you have to turn off the uh, interface to get it to show PlayStation buttons or switch buttons. Okay, I I've never had that problem, but then again, I don't. Uh, the other thing is that the game, from what I understand from other people, plays really well with a keyboard and mouse too. So I can see why people say it's a Frankenstein. You can see all the games that it's taking. Uh, I won't say ripping off. I'll just say taking its influence from. Um, I, I'm enjoying the story, except for the part where you come to Miles Morales and he does the stupidest thing on earth. Um, why does his mother and him run towards the explosions? I don't get it. Mm. I like what they're doing with the mini games um, that are in the game. It's one of those collectathon games, but um, a lot of them have some fun puzzles. And usually I don't like puzzles in these types of games, but the puzzles that they have are very straightforward. Uh, they're basically logic puzzles that they had in it. And then you have the little uh, science uh, things on the roofs, which are basically um, puzzle, you know, just uh, uh, testing your, your ability to, to traverse the map and stuff like that. If I have a single complaint is that the controls, the combat controls are a little bit janky. They don't feel fluid like Batman, you know, and everybody's you have to compl- compare it to Batman Arkham Asylum because that's basically what it's doing. The pre- its version of the Predator missions don't feel like Predator missions. For one thing, I didn't, I didn't want to, uh, Spider-Man can't crouch. I can move slowly, but he can't crouch, you know, like sneak. And I like the way the enemies in Batman start to freak out when you're taking them out one by one by one by one. Here they don't do that. They just say, mm. oh, yeah. But you know what? Um, it's a lot of stuff that it does. And, you know, I can't be a hypocrite because uh, the um, Shadow of War games do that as well. The Middle Earth games do that as well. It takes the best parts of Batman. Um, it also does its own thing. <sighs> you know, I, I really wish Warner Brothers didn't um, have a, uh, a a copyright on Nemesis characters because mm-hmm. that's really fun. When when you start building up your own Nemesis and they just evolve the game as you do. Um, but like I, Spider-Man does everything right. There's nothing wrong with it. There's just nothing exceptional about it. Except generally, you know, I do like the characters. I do like the reimagining. I don't like the way uh, they did J. Jonah Jameson di- dirty in that game. They turn him into Rush Limbaugh, basically. And it just, just it, there's a term called, they're called flanderization. Jameson was never that stupid. Mm. Jameson in this game is like, why should we have health care for prisoners? What? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Otherwise, it's it's a fun game. Um, the graphics are fine. I mean, my graphics card can handle it really well. I have it in 2K. And, you know, it, it's it's a very good open-world game. It's better than anything Ubisoft does. Let me put it that way. Yeah. The web-swinging is okay. Um, it's not as good as that Spider-Man 2 for the for the GameCube, but it's okay. Yeah. I, I've always liked the open-world of those games. Like, I, I'm not huge on the on Spider-Man's combat just because it's a, basically a one-to-one rip-off of uh, Batman. That's not entirely true, though, because there is no B attack. Yeah. <laughs> It's only Y and X buttons, really, with A to jump. Yeah, but it's just – it's way too close for my liking. Um, I do like the uh, fact that you can web up op- opponents and stick them to the wall so you don't have to fight them. Yeah, but I've always loved the city traversal in those games. They really make the city look gorgeous, especially when it's in motion. Yeah, except if you're from New York City and you're wondering why you can't find your house on West 26th is Central Park West. Huh? Hmm. And Harlow apparently is flattened out and stretched. Uh, it's, you know, they get a lot of it enough that I'm disappointed. I mean, I guess I'm spoiled by Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is one-to-one on everything. So I know they can't okay. do that. <laughs> also, that's one thing that uh, Ubisoft did do, right, with uh, Tom Clancy's The Division. Yeah. Is that they, they did recreate places very, very closely. Well, The Division takes place in my neighborhood, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> It does. It literally takes place in my neighborhood. There's Penn. Uh, I'm a couple of blocks away from Penn Station. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, uh, Sp- Spider-Man is good. It's not great, but it's good. And I'm glad PC gamers are uh, having a chance to play it now. For sure. Um, I don't know if we're talking about it in, in any of the notes. No, we're not. So uh, one of the things they found out, though, was that some uh, some data hackers found that there, was, there could have been a co-op mode in it in which two players could play at once. Yeah, and it's very, 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 very much on the wall that that's where they're going with the next one, where they're going to have uh, Miles Morales and Peter Parker in the game. 
that would be pretty interesting. I guess they would have to do either split screen or play from your own console. Uh, I think it could be split screen. I've, I, I got the impression that it was going to be same machine as well, not just uh, online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, couch co-op is always nice. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, how many fighting games do you play couch, uh, TJ? Pretty much all of them. Really? You have friends, you come over and you just... Oh, yeah. Well, like, when you put it that way, uh, no, I don't have anyone who plays to my level. <laughs> he doesn't have to play to your level, damn it. The entire point of doing couch game is so you can mock you, the person next to you. The game that I play that's pretty much my couch co-op game is uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. That game is a really dope couch co-op game. Okay. And, you're screaming uh, at each other at what what you're doing and, and do this and uh, because you're doing that. Yeah. Um, that has been a fun one. Capcom Beat-Em-Up Bundle was a good one for catch co-op. You know, on a, a side note, Reverse City Girls 2 is delayed. That's fine. Take their time. I, I would be okay. I'm okay with them taking their time with that. There's already so many good games happening. I don't want to miss that one. So, TJ, what have you been playing? Um, I played the heck out of Gigabash, which was a, which is a kaiju, uh, brawler. Um, it's from a group called uh, Passion Republic Games. Uh, Get another arena brawler. <laughs> yeah, uh, I th- I thought it looked fun because it's like I love I love a good Godzilla movie. Um, <laughs> and it is and it is that it's it's a very uh, it's a very on the nose uh, sort of like there's a lot of monsters in that game that look like very original creations and they're really fun. Um, there's also some that are just like straight up ripoffs of uh, yeah. Things. I mean, like uh, you can. You can see where Jet Jaguar, well, Jet Jaguar slash Ultraman slash any guy in a in a in a robot costume. <laughs> the really funny thing about their take on on uh, Ultraman is that Gigaman is like an over the hill veteran uh, superhero, and so he's like paunchy and has a beer and has like a, a beer gut, but he's still wearing the whole freaking like bodysuit thing. It's really funny. I also like. Uh, I also like there's a slug that uh, has like a skull for his shell, and he throw and you can throw it, he can throw it at you, but then you can pick it up and throw it back at him. Um, I like the character designs. I wish the game had more to it. They only have story mode for four of the monsters, and there's like nine. I kind of wish they'd fleshed that out a bit more because they did a good job with the story mode in the game. Um, same with modes. I wish there was a little bit more on that end. It doesn't take long to see everything the game's got going on. But as far as just like a good little party game, I think it's fun. I think it's fun to get folks together and, and play around and beat them up and do a little beat them up with uh, giant monsters. Well, you have to mention, of course, that it's fully destructible environments. Uh, that's the only reason to have a kaiju game. Yes. And it's like stuff like you you have like full on urban Tokyo or, or Japanese cities. You have coastal coastal villages. You have like a, a desert military complex. The the stages are really fun. They have a, they have a, a Mesoamerican scene, you know, with with uh, Mesoamerican things and and forests and jungles and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's not the best game I've played this year, but it is a, a fun little turn your brain off and just have a little bit bit of a blast. <laughs> yeah, uh, Scott, what have you been playing? Scott, oh, he muted himself again. Muted yourself, and you have to come back. You did yourself. Well, I'm going to assume he can tell us what he's been playing later. Uh, so first things first, uh, this game's news. Amazon League says Tales from the Borderlands follow-up is this October. Uh, this comes to us from Eurogamer. A fleeting Amazon listing has provided fresh details on the new Tales from the Borderlands. The Gearbox-developed follow-up to Telltale Games' 2014 episodic adventure. Jesus, it was eight years ago. Wow. Uh, suggesting a launch for the Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and S. PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Switch, and PC on the 21st of October. The original play, uh, Tales from the Borderlands uh, adventures of Hi- featured the adventures of Hyperion employee Reese, played by Troy Baker, and Pandoran con artist Fiona, played by Laura Bailey, as they attempted to locate and open one of the Borderlands' legendary vaults. Uh, with developer Telltale having shut its doors in 2018, and given the reg- relative commercial failure of the original game, it seemed like a sequel would never come to pass. However, Borderlands developer Gearbox surprised everyone back in, October, in April when it was announced that a follow-up was not just in the works, but would be out by the end of this year. This new game, which has been said to be developed in-house by Gearbox, uh, will follow the same interactive fiction-style template as its uh, predecessor, but will focus on all new characters and stories set in the Borderlands universe. 
Those characters, according to Amazon's and its now yanked listing, will be Frogert slinging Fran, altruistic science Anu, and her streetwise brother Octavio as they take on a ruthless as they stand against ruthless corporate overlords within the perpetually war-torn metropolis of Promethea. Further details were previously promised this summer, so given the timing of this leak, it seems it's going to be announced at Gamescom. So yeah, I did play Tales of the Borderlands when it was, I think it was a free game. Uh, It was free on Xbox Live. And I actually enjoyed it, because I never really enjoyed Borderlands, but I did enjoy Tales from the Borderlands. We're not going to get into the the Gunfinger fight, but um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what this one is like. Yeah, I... uh this is the one that's being made specifically by Gearbox and not by Telltale yeah. this time, right? Yep. It's uh, going to be. I wonder if they have any. Uh, I wonder if they have any uh, Telltale employees though helping them out with it. I would assume that they Former have to, right? Because they're they're building upon the system that they created with the original and continuing that story and well, like not the same, but like you know, same same new story in the same universe. Well, here's the thing. Um, Telltale can write. Gearbox cannot. I'm hoping yeah. that there's a Telltale writer, because the gags in, in Tales from the Borderlands were miles better than the ones from uh, 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 from the regular Borderlands games. I agree with that. I mean, they made Handsome Jack actually interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i really interested to see where they go with this. Like, it's it still feels like... We, we don't have any official confirmation just yet, but uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about this because i really want to see more of this series well they did say it was coming out i mean it's just that the amazon leak just yeah i mean the amazon leak just gave away some of the details so Mm -hmm. but um i'm glad they're uh going with new characters because one thing um that always bothers me sometimes about sequels is that they keep on using the same old people i'm looking at you star trek i'm looking at you star wars I, I don't give a shit about Luke Skywalker. I don't give a shit about the cast of the Enterprise past 1993. I really don't. I want new people, damn it. Yeah. And that's one thing. Is like once they introduced Handsome Jack, they went back to him over and over and over and over and over again, which I don't mind. I like the Handsome Jack character, but it is part of that problem you're talking about where, like, you don't need to have, a, you don't need to have Handsome Jack in every single Borderlands thing. He was great. Make something as good as Handsome Jack. I mean, the entire point of the of the first game, and spoilers for an eight-year-old game, was that Handsome Jack was trying to take over the body of the protagonist because he was dead, and he wanted to, you know, take over his his body. Um, so that was the entire crux of that, you know. And like I said, they wrote Handsome Jack better than than Gearbox did. They gave him motivations. They made him a really nasty piece of work that still was a little sympathetic. He was still a nasty piece of work. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. All right. Crash Bandicoot 4 developer Toys for Bob teases potential new game from Check News. Toys for Bob has been quite a solid studio under Activision's umbrella, aiding the publisher in reviving and continuing some classic 3D platformers, such as the Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon series. Now it seems the studio has another project on its hands. Toys for Bob recently shared a history of games of the games it has developed, and at the bottom of the list was a spot for a game that has not been revealed quite yet. Yeah, it says question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Toys for Bob shared its cheeky new game tease in a tweet on its main Twitter account on August 17th, 2022. Much of the t- tweet... Sorry, much of the tweet is simply a celebration of Toys for Bob's history since the studio opened, including a long and extensive list of the games it's worked on. However, down at the bottom of the list is a fun little mystery edition. There's a box with just question mark over over in the and over in the list on the side. It's marked as a supposed 18th project for Toys for Bob. Whatever Toys for Bob is up to, we should be on the lookout for a reveal in the new, near future. Stay tuned as we await details and an official reveal on the studio's new game. Now, we I have, am excited. <laughs> one thing we have to note is that Toys for Bob will be owned by Microsoft. So the question will be first, is this going to be an exclusive game? Yeah. <laughs> Which it probably will be. The one thing, you know, being acquired by Microsoft is Microsoft basically has told every single developer, hey, what do you want to do that you're never allowed to do? Okay, you can do it. <laughs> so whatever this thing is, fortunately, it's not going to be – it's going to be something new. It's not going to be Crash. It's not going to be Spyro. It's not going to be the other games. It's going to be something completely new. And like I said, sometimes you need some fresh new IPs. You don't think it's going to be a new Crash or Spyro game? I think they're going to do a game uh, that's totally original to them. 
I would actually be really, really, really cool with it if they did a new, a completely new Spyro game. I know that we've had Skylanders, but that's not the same. Wait a minute. <laughs> Do they? Here's the thing. Um, when Star Control came out a few years ago, right? Um, they couldn't. The the people couldn't use anything from Star Control except the name. I wonder, maybe they'll do a new Star Control game. Huh. I don't know. Because I think they're the ones who own the the rights to that. It would be interesting. I don't, like, I, looking at the list of what they've done for the for a long time now, they've been mostly doing uh, Skylanders, Crash, and Spyro, which... And, and, some, and a lot of uh, licensed games. <laughs> which, there's something to be said for carving out a niche and doing it incredibly well. And I think that's what Toys for Bob does. I think they have a mastery of 3D action platforming that nobody really does anymore. Or anybody, at least nobody does it as well as Toys for Bob does. I wonder if anybody remembers uh, Horde, the Horde. I'm sorry, because that was know. done by that was done by Toys for Bob uh, under publisher know. Crystal. It was a Saturn game and also came to PC, which is where I played it. And it was a, a weird, um, it was a weird game, which uh, was sort of like cross between Populous and just magic stuff. I mean, it was hack and slash, it was city building, and it was real-time strategy all at the same time. Um, well, imagine if they do a remake of that. People will say, what? Because yeah. that game came out way back in 1994. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm thinking too safe, and uh, maybe they will do something altogether different. Um, I wouldn't mind that. Oh, here's so, it. I wouldn't mind if they brought back Toys to Life, damn it. <laughs> what, like Skylanders? Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be Skylanders. Just something that's Toys for Life, except more interesting and... and Nah, it's not going to happen, but, you know, because to really do Toys for Life, you have to make toys that people want that have nothing to do with the game. You know, something you just put on your, your shelf because it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing I will say about the uh, the Skylanders is that outside of Spy- the Spyro character and some other, a few other uh, crossovers they did, I couldn't even begin to tell you if there's any reason to care about the rest of the characters. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm... I'm holding out hope it's a Star Control game. That would be interesting. We also did the Pandemonium games, too, but I never played them. Those are PlayStation games. But yeah, I'm hoping on something like brand new in the, Sp- in the Spyro series, because we haven't had a new Spyro game that, like, did... I would like I would like them to give Spyro the same treatment they did for Crash Bandicoot 4, because Crash Bandicoot 4 is freaking excellent. Did they do the other Crash Bandicoot? No, they didn't. That was, um... That was, uh, who was the developer? Vicarious Vision. Right. <laughs> Microsoft yeah. also owns. <laughs> well, I mean, will own, will own. <laughs> nobody owns it anymore because Vicarious Vision is no more. It was absorbed into Blizzard and is now Blizzard, oh. some whatever fucking city. <sighs> Sadness. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna move on to next time. Sony possibly publishing it. Sorry, Sony possibly developing its own PlayStation PC game launcher. This comes from Shack News. Following the release of Marvel Spider-Man Remastered on PC, reports of references to a, piece, a PlayStation PC launcher were found in the game's files. The presence of these references have since been verified by outlets like VCG, who saw the files for themselves. As far as what this could mean, it seems like Sony may be working on its own PC game launcher for the PlayStation. Previously, Sony games on PC have utilized Steam and the Epic Games Store, each with their own launchers. Uh, furthermore, the past references to PSN account linked and PSN linked entitlements were also found in the Play- Spider-Man files. This comes despite the fact that none of Sony's games have been ported to PC on either Steam or the Epic Games Store currently allow players to connect with their PSN accounts. Uh, as of right now, Sony has yet to confirm plans to establish its own PC game launcher. That said, Sony shared the news that it had formed its own PlayStation PC label for its PC ports last year. Additionally, back in May, it was projected that PlayStation would bring about $300 million in first-party PC game sales in fiscal year 22. Hey! Remember when all these Sony fanboys were mocking Microsoft for releasing all of their games on Steam and PC? That's because Microsoft likes money. Mm-hmm. $300 million, a nice chunk of change for, for Sony there. I am excited for this because I'd love to have uh, access to PlayStation games on my PC and just play them on the it's PC. It's not like that. Um, what it is, what it is, is that you'll have something like the Ubisoft launcher or the uh, or the other launchers of other games like oh Frontier Developments launcher. So it's like oh you have to go into Steam and then you have to open up your PC, PlayStation PC launcher. Um, what you might like is the idea of having your PlayStation account linked because then you can get your trophies by playing the PC version, like you can with some games on on uh, on Windows 10. 
Some of them are weird. I mean, the Fallout 4 PC and the Fallout 4 Xbox achievements are two different things. But on some games, they're linked, like uh, Two Point Campus. They're both linked. So, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have your PlayStation account linked to the games, at least to get your your trophies uh, if you're playing on PC. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard two takes on this. One is the obvious, like, oh, no, not another launcher. I don't need another <laughs> exactly launcher. exactly what that is. Um, and the other one is this is a this is this was inevitable for PlayStation because they're trying to contend with Game Pass. They're trying so hard to contend with. Game oh God, are they trying to get to oh, one of the news from last week that we never covered was the fact that play, uh, Sony was was paying people not to have their games Game Pass day one. And they're going at it so hard to try to make that Game Pass competition work. And a part of that would include having a a One. client to access like the PlayStation Plus stuff on as far as their expansion into the PC realm they need to have like an ecosystem where like a cross platform ecosystem between PC and PlayStation consoles where you can access like the PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now stuff like regardless of which platform you're on you know here's the thing if Sony wasn't so dismissive of all this shit they wouldn't be having to play catch up right now yeah you know, had they embraced it, you said, oh, Game Pass, that sounds like a good idea from day one. Instead of saying, that's not a part of our business, uh, that's not a part of our business model. We don't think giving, uh, having games day one, and they still don't have games day one on their version of Game Pass. You know, um, and that's why Microsoft, here's the thing, you know, Microsoft is buying all these studios because they want games day one on the Game Pass, and Tony can't do anything about it with first party. They can try to do stuff with it on third party, but they still have a bunch of third party games coming game, uh, day one. Fortunately, um, I already pre-installed Scorn because <laughs> I want the ickiest game ever on my on my system. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, uh, go ahead. It's really interesting to see uh, how much they're trying to play this catch-up game, but also like no, the catch-up game is Splatoon three. <laughs> But like, ultimately, do I want another browser or do I want another client that I have to like have on my system for anything? No, but I really do feel like if they if they I just hope it's not as annoying as Epic Game Store. Well, when you start um, when you start Spider-Man Remastered, you have that little, um, you know, new game settings and all that stuff before the game actually launches. If they do that, if it's just this little box that you just have to click before you do anything, that's fine. If it if you don't have to, you know, if it if it's just all automatic, you know. Yeah, because one thing, like one thing I don't like about Epic Game Store is like, first off, it's clunky. It takes mm-hmm. like, it feels like that that thing moves slow and it takes a few seconds longer than to do anything there. By the way, did you did you notice that the Epic Game Store now has achievements too? Yeah, and it's and it's the most freaking years after they launched <laughs> it to put those in. It's the most irrelevant thing possible. I mean, I'm playing Spider-Man Remastered. I get an achievement for for the Epic Store. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. which like that's something you should have launched on day one when you launched it. And, and that's but the thing, thing is that, that here's the thing. That's the thing that PlayStation needs to avoid as well. You can't be adding basic features that should have been there from the first place on year three. <laughs> Yeah. But the thing is that, you know, and it's not like I can – at least when you have uh, your Xbox and you, or you have your PlayStation or even if you have your Steam, you know what – you see those achievements right away. They're right in your face. It tells you what you've unlocked in your face. Epic, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just hide them away here. It's like an afterthought. Um, but one th- good thing that I can think of if Sony's going to emulate what Microsoft is doing is that if you have this PlayStation – uh, launcher, and you have connect inter- interconnectivity. Maybe PlayStation can start doing perks as well. Yeah, maybe so. I, I've already heard them talk about doing like special promotions between PlayStation consoles and and uh, PC games. So it will depend on how they implement this stuff. I just hope that it's fully fleshed out from the get go when they do it and it's easy to access. Because otherwise, like you just playing more catch-up, trying to put things in that people should just already have. 
Now, Scott mentioned something. Uh, you can uh, stream your Xbox onto your PC and play it from your PC. Uh, can you do that with the PlayStation now, or is that something they're waiting for? I think you can do some level of uh, of remote play. Yes, you can do remote play on uh, PlayStation. Okay. So what happens is that the, um, when you have the Xbox Game Pass thing, they actually reduce it to just clicking a button on the uh, on the front page. You have a little icon next to your name, this consoles. If they allow that, you just press a button and boom, you're streaming. That's fine. That's that's a plus. PlayStation Remote Play has worked pretty well as far as I know, but they don't have the benefit of having Xbox Cloud to work with. So are they, what are you talking about? They had an agreement with Microsoft with the, the Azure, with Azure Cloud. I, they they do have that, but it's like not it's not quite on the level that Xbox operates. Did you see? Uh, I, I I'm trying to remember where I saw it, but there was going to be a game that was completely cloud driven. That was going to have all this destructibility. I'm not talking about crack, Crackdown 3. I'm talking about a, a game that's coming. Mm. They're finally going to start doing those cloud-enabled games. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, it's not playing on the cloud. It's just the game works in concert with the cloud to, to add the functionality, which is going to be really cool. That would be neat. Anyways, uh, you can take the next item, uh, uh, Scott. Okay. So, um, okay, Crash Bandicoot no, 4. No, 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 no. Down at Nintendo. Fresh oh, report. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, fresh report alleges sexist workplace at Nintendo of America. This is from Eurogamer. A report has detailed instances of sexual harassment at Nintendo of America and working environment where some women, particularly contract employees without full-time employment, felt pressured into silence. The report published by Kotako builds on allegations reported in the past about a divided Nintendo full-time and contracted staff, the latter of whom enjoy fewer perks and lack of job security. Now, women who worked as contract employers, employees have come forward to discuss some of the issues they faced in particular, such as instances of sexual harassment and unequal pay. The report claims sexist behavior as commonplace, that a culture of favoritism meant male contractors were seen as more likely to move on to red badge full-time roles. At the same time, a number of women say that they were subjected to sexist comments, criticism in particular level that had of Nintendo's product testing department. Several women separately noted instances where male staff were heard discussing the color of female workers' underwear. That's classy. Others, others said it was felt necessary not to rock the boat and complain about inappropriate behavior, or play nice with male colleagues, making advances if you approach by a red badge and they appear to be making moves on you. Uh, other women said that you didn't want to dissuade them too hard. Uh, back in May, Nintendo of America boss Doug Bowser labeled reports into how the company differentiated between full-time and contract staff in terms of benefits and inclusion as troubling. Bowser's predecessor, Reggie Fizeme, distanced himself from the matter and claimed the issue raised did not reflect a Nintendo, which he left. I'm going to say that is 100% bullshit from Reggie. This stuff does not just prop up a couple of years after you leave or something, you know. That, yeah, you, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, since then, Nintendo has been hit by a series of worker complaints as the games industry as a whole sees a wave of labor activism. Yeah, Reggie is is full of shit. Yeah, and uh, there was a follow up on this today. Nintendo of America, Doug Bowser actually responded to it. Um, quote unquote, quote unquote, we have strict policies designed to protect our employees and associates from inappropriate conduct, and expect full compliance with these policies by all who work for this. We have and always w- and always will investigate any allegations we become aware of, and we are actively investigating these most recent claims. That's also horseshit. All of it. You can have all the you can have all the the sources for people to complain to, but when they're fearing that they're going to lose their jobs because they they complained, they're not going to complain. That was the entire point of the of the article. We. We do not want to. We do not want to rock the boat. Yeah. And, pardon. It's a really. It's a. It's quite a bummer to see all this. 
and I mean like the 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 issues that have been going on in the industry are not are once again not confined to places like Activision Blizzard. They are widespread. It is a corporate culture, and it is a culture that has been mired in toxicity for decades. Um, and unfortunately, Nintendo is not exempt from it. <laughs> the company, like, the, it, it sucks to see this stuff, but, like, it also kind of, like... Brings awareness to the problem. Yeah. even Like, if it's even happening at a happy-go-lucky quote-unquote toy company like Nintendo, then there is literally no place where this doesn't... where this isn't, like... There probably isn't some form of this going on. And that sucks. That really does. But, like, at the same time, drag it all into the light, get rid of bad actors, turn the industry inside out. That's what needs to happen. Because otherwise, it just continues in the dark. Uh, So, anyways... um. There was some other news that I wanted to talk about, but I completely forgot about. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let me see. There we are. Oh, yeah. Um, what I didn't want to talk about was the bullshit going on with Sorrenti and the swatting. That's a week old, but it still makes me really angry. Um, at least you got her stuff back. But yeah. uh, something has to be done about Twitch. It really does. Amazon is fucking like Amazon and by extension, the people that are currently running Twitch on behalf of Amazon really fucking suck at their jobs as far as just nurturing their community and keeping them safe. They really do. They cater to like the top 1% of their, of their streamers and they just don't give a shit about anyone else. And it shows constantly. Yeah. Uh, Astro, the Astro's Playroom developer is working on multiple projects. Who? Uh, Team Asobi, who uh, who did Astro's Playroom, oh. which they uh, people like write them off as like making glorified tech demos, but they really do take the technology that they're working with and push it to the limits. They do really fun stuff with uh, the PS5 tech in uh, Astro's Playroom, so I'm all for uh, seeing more stuff from them. You know, they said they want to make their games feel like they were made in Japan. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know what it means either. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You have to. It does a default to Japanese language and English dub, and you have to switch it over to English language or something. I don't know. Uh, oh yeah. There was... But they've made some cool and creative games, and I want to see more out of them. They've uh, Astro's Playroom is a treat, and uh, really, they have an, they have a solid understanding of how like PlayStation technology works, and I like the idea of them like focusing on that and figuring out new and fun ways to make a game. Hey, guess what? We've had some breaking news from our favorite people at Twitch. What's that? Uh, Shy Lily has been banned three days for without warning by uh, by Twitch, with no explanation. Mm. Well done. Good job. You did it. For fucking sake. God damn it. Now, she, she, it's, Twitch uses a three strike system for DCMA, DMCA warnings. So it's not, it's not because of copyrighted, uh, not because of copyrighted material. Mm-hmm. So she's a YouTuber. So we'll find out from her on, on that. I think it's just because she's very sexual. I don't know. But again, no, no reason gave gave no reason for it. Mm-hmm. She says, "I find it absolutely wild that you sign a contract with this company, but they hold you to right to basically throw you off their platform without needing to let you know why specifically." She's about twenty thousand subscribers and about eight thousand users per day, so she's not like one of the top one percent. But still, you know, I don't know what's going on. <sighs> oh yes, I know. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say it's a good time to move over to YouTube because uh, I wouldn't say Google that handles everything better, but I would say that they're not as much of a trash fire as Twitch is right now. Speaking of trash fires, you know, there's another $1 billion crypto crash. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bitcoin miners lost over $1 billion this, uh, during this year's crypto crash. I, yeah, yeah. 
Just an insanely large amount of money. Yeah. I will never. The only reason it exists is that Elon Musk can pump and dump that, uh, pump and dump, uh, pump and dump it twice a year or something. Yeah. That's not true. There are plenty of people that uh, that like scamming other people on crypto. Yeah, but when you have Elon Musk dumping a lot of money into uh, into Dogecoin and then selling it immediately when other people buy it just to uh, just to get to make a couple billion dollars off their idiocy. Um, go ahead. He seems to fan the flames of the uh, the uh, the crypto bros that go around pushing. Of course he does. That's how he makes his money. It's it's just ridiculous. There's a fan. There's a f- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was only gonna say that like Elon Musk, he's just he's an asshole in general, yeah. and and wherever he goes, he fucks with the markets that that he's involved in. And but like crypto on its own has it's based on nothing. It is based on nothing. It's this this idea of a decentralized currency that has no rules or regulations. Well, like people, governments are seeing this shit, and so now they're moving to regulate the hell out of it. And uh, a lot of folks are losing money, and and those that aren't losing money are being inve- are often being investigated by the SEC or some other corporate group, or, or not corporate group, but uh, some other group that's meant to basically keep financial institutions fair yeah crypto is a wild west and it's a dangerous wild west which is like why people have lost billions of dollars on that stuff and it sucks for anyone that doesn't know what they're getting into but here's of like this gold mine estate or like gold mine industry that you can get rich off of overnight it's it's very much like a gold rush and it's a gold rush that is it's a gold rush full of imaginary minds <laughs> yeah uh I have some screaming hot news that's just posted a couple of minutes ago um they're finally uh releasing dead island 2 after how many years now uh 10 years since uh, it's uh, Dead Island 2 is finally coming out February 2023. <laughs> finally, it was announced back in 2014 or maybe it was 2011, I think it was. I don't know. It's been a, it's been a decade, so this it's finally out it's of making it now. It's not. Te- is, is it Deep Silver still? It is Deep Silver. Well, Deep Silver is the publisher. Uh, Dan Buster Studios is the uh, developer. Because it was originally Techland, wasn't it? But then they moved on yeah. to Techland. They moved. Yeah. They completely bound out and then started working on Dying Light, and that's where their bread and butter is. So, like, I've never heard of Dan Busters. Have they made anything? I don't know. Uh, they, oh, God. Um, yeah, they did one other thing. They what did They did Homefront the Revolution. <laughs> oh. The game most famous for having a uh, completely emulated version of uh, of Time Splitters in it. The game most famous for being buggy as shit. <laughs> it actually had three. Uh, you know that Homeland Revolution actually had three DLC. Uh, like I said, the most the most important thing I know about uh, Homefront is that it has an arcade machine that you can play the entirety of uh, Time Flit- Time Splitters 2 in if you unlock it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. We don't know what really went wrong with Homefront the Revolution if it was because di- Dan Buster's incompetent. It's almost never because the uh, developer is incompetent, by the way. Usually it has something mm-hmm. to do with them being told to do stupid shit. Yeah. But we'll find out. I mean... If you want, Rocksteady did a, one of the worst games ever as their first game. I forgot the name of it. That's how far, much I forgot it. But uh, then they did the Batman Arkham games. So, oh, wait a minute. That's right. Um, Dan Buster used to be Free Radical Design. Mm. And used to be Crytek. You, uh, you, and then it became – so for those who don't know who Free Radical is, uh, they were the ones behind the game Time Splitters. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're – is it also wait? So then I I thought I heard something. A they while also ago. did Hayes, which destroyed which destroyed the company. 
Hmm? Oh, well, there you go. And then they did Crisis 2, 3, and Warface. Huh. But anyways, this is formerly known as Crytek UK, formerly known as Free Radical. (laughs) I could have sworn they did Painkiller, but that was someone else. Oh, that was People Can Fly. Yeah. Yeah, Painkiller was People Can Fly. So anyways, um, the screenshots for for Dead Island 2 look great, but... um, Dead Island was a really missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity, I think. Um, I'm hoping it, it really was. It felt very shallow. It wasn't just shallow. It just made it so that the only real way to deal with with uh, zombies was physical attacks. Anything else was just pissing about, you know. I think State of Decay did everything that Dead Island wanted to be. Yeah, I can't tell you how annoying it was to uh, invest so much effort into the character that could throw stuff really well, only to realize that throwing stuff in that game sucks ass. So, with Dead Island, you know, each of the four characters had their own special moves. Um, well, Dead Island 2 will have six characters, but uh, they're going to have a skill system, which allows you to respec instantly, which means you can pump all your things into a uh, into a build, and you say, I don't like this. You can just freely change it. So, you have that at least. And if, you know, it's going to take place in L.A. and San Francisco, uh, sort of like San Andreas, uh, uh, that island. Well, hope it's, hopefully it's not a trash fire. Yeah. Like I said, this thing has been in development for the past eight years. So. Yeah. Dying Light has had Dying Light 2 has had time to be delayed over and over again <laughs> and then also release. Uh to which I, I still hear people saying they're having a lot of fun with that game. I don't have fun with that game. I ended up not liking it. Have you tried it since they've patched the hell out of it? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. the It's not just the gameplay or bugs or anything like that. It's just the way it's, um, the way it's constructed. I just don't like it. Mm. I'm having a lot more fun with, with Spider-Man. So. There you go. Anyways, like I said, let's hope, uh, because State of Decay 3 is not going to come out anytime soon. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but State of Decay 2 has had so many patches, and not game fix patches, gameplay changes. The game keeps on evolving and changing as we go along. The newest one, I don't know if it's been, it hasn't come out yet, I don't think, has it so that um, you have sort of like infections, so that... um, if you don't check infestations, they will spread from house to house to house to house. Um, and you can see the flow of zombies between those houses. So they keep on changing the game and improving it. It's sort of like... And from what I understand, State of Decay 3 is going to be a completely different type of game. It's going to be almost an MMO-ish. It's going to be multiplayer. It's going to be like sort of like Fallout 76, but in State of Decay. It doesn't worry me because I trust Undead Labs... But it's going to be a completely different game. So it's a good thing that they're making State of Decay 2 the best single-player game they can possibly make it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with the history news and our gaming history articles. Me and Jerry Feedback, so leave us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. I'll set us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Charter Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all.